Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Drake's Corner. I'm back. Uh, it's been about a month and a half hiatus since my last podcast type deal. Um, I did make a mock draft video about a month ago. Um, well, I just I just got busy. I'm sorry. I didn't have I didn't really have any time. I was switching jobs. Um, uh, losing kind of motivation there for a second, but we're back here. Um, I was just being lazy. I'm gonna be honest, okay? But I'm 100% committed. Once a week, here we go again. Podcast on the reg. Just needed a break for a second, but here we are, right back into the perfect time. The Super Bowl is in two weeks. We got Eagles and Chiefs. Um, that's gonna be first on the agenda here today. Um, you know, what more can be said about this game? Andy Reid returning back to his old team to face them. Can he, you know, get the revenge game he needs? The Kelsey brothers are going at it here. Um, you know, almost perfect for the script, wink wink. Um, you know, the Twitter sleuths love it. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, all around, I got the Eagles, you know, just winning this game, you know, kind of handedly. I think it could be one score to two score. I think it's around 34-27. That's my score prediction there. Uh, I just think, honestly, they're all around the more balanced team. I think Jalen Hurts can make or break his career with this game. Uh, and I got my money on him making his career with it. Uh, this is a potential legacy game for Jalen Hurts. Nothing against Patrick Mahomes, but I feel like... Uh, the Kansas City defense at times can let up a lot of big plays. Um, they played very well against Bengals and Joe Burrow, but all around offensive line wise, um, I'd even go receiving core wise, you could argue, um, you know, just all around the Eagles offense is better and it starts in the trenches. Like I said, offensive line, I think they have the best offensive line in the league. I don't see a lot of Kansas City pass rush getting through there. Um, we saw a few you know, three and outs against the Bengals defense in the AFC title game from the Chiefs. And if they're struggling to get any first downs, scoring touchdowns by chance against this Bengals defense, I would pray that, you know, that they could figure something out against the uh, against the Eagles. You know, Patrick Mahomes, he still had a great game, 326, two touchdowns. And, um, yeah, he kind of led them late in the game to a victory there. But at the same time, they need to, if they're going to, you know, compete with this Eagles team. We needed to see more of a dominant win against the Bengals rather than, um, you know, a, a tight game. But the Bengals had their number. It was a close rivalry game. Um, you know, the Burrowhead uh, narrative was kind of shut down there. We like to see it. I love the I love the jabs. Okay, uh, a lot of people that don't like this, like that, don't enjoy seeing you know the mayor getting involved. That it's a sports rivalry. We we don't see it often anymore. Where uh, you know, teams are just at each other's throats like they were, and I loved it. I loved the whole thing that was leading up to it. Um, I loved the Bengals, you know, underdog story. I loved, you know, the three and O type deal that they had going against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs got the revenge that they needed. It was a per- perfect story for you know years to come. So, but Super Bowl wise, I got Eagles thirty four to twenty seven against the Chiefs. I just feel like all around more balanced team. Uh, Jalen Hurts legacy game on the line here, you know, extension wise too, this could make, uh, Jalen Hurts contract negotiations skyrocket through the, through the roof. If they get a super, a super bowl win under him and let alone, he might win super bowl MVP. Jalen Hurts is looking at, you know, probably a $20 million difference in his extension somewhere around those lines. Anyway, that's what I got. That's what I got. Eagles. Boom.
Anyway, we're going to move on to, you know, kind of the future of the NFL. What are we looking at here? Oh, it's the NFL draft. And my, uh, I'm wearing a White Sox hat right now, but my my Bears, they have the number one pick, if you didn't hear. And clearly, um, I, I, I don't know clearly, but, you know, all signs point to this trade. This pick is getting traded, okay? Uh, I'd like to first start off by saying, you know, I, I don't want to say this, but at the same time I do. The Bryce Young talk, you know, and the Bears going after Bryce Young and trading Justin Fields, clearly the Bryce Young talk is just for trade bait, okay? The, the more people talk about Justin Fields getting traded and Bryce Young coming in to be the Bears quarterback, values this pick a lot higher than, you know, saying the Bears aren't going to take a quarterback. Obviously, this pick's going to get traded. So, you know, if teams aren't desperate, they'll wait on it like the Texans. But if, you know, teams hear that, oh, the Bears might trade Fields and go after Bryce Young, clearly he's the better quarterback, this is going to value that pick a lot higher. And obviously, the Bears aren't going to trade, you know, Justin Fields. It's not going to happen, okay? Uh, Ryan Poles was a genius when he basically said in the press conference that, you know, as long as a guy doesn't blow us away, like he, he didn't say 100% Fields is our quarterback, which is smart. Uh, I think Justin Fields is in on it too. Obviously, it's a business. You got to make this pick go higher in uh, value setting. The Texans and Colts right now, these are the two teams that are battling for this pick. And I feel like the Raiders and Panthers are right on the outside of it. But Texans and Colts have a lot more to give up. Um you know, capital-wise than, you know, the Panthers and Raiders. I see the Panthers, you know, they have the player capital and also that ninth pick, but Brian Burns and DJ Moore, those are two guys that I can see the Bears, you know, saying, we want these guys for this pick and nothing else. Um, obviously, the number nine pick, too. But, you know, a trade with the Colts, um, I like this option a little better. Um, they're desperate for a franchise quarterback, and they have, you know, team needs that the Bears desperately need. D-tackle, DeForest Buckner, wide receiver, Michael Pittman Jr. They have young pieces and picks to go along with it, uh, and I'm certain that the guy I want, the guy that I should the Bears should get, Will Anderson, will still stick there at number four. Also, the Texans. Here's what I like about them. They don't have any players I want whatsoever, um, but they have the number two pick and the number 12 pick. The, the number two pick would secure Will Anderson. If they trade along the number 12th, the, the 12th pick along with it, Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver Ohio State, will be right there. And or Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, offensive tackle. So from that 12th spot, there's a lot of areas where the Bears can might even trade back with that number 12 pick too and get a lot more capital there as well. So there's a ton of options. The Raiders are another solid option to trade back with as well. They have Devontae Adams and a pick a little behind them, you know, as well. So, and the Bears could go after that. Um, the heist of a century is is on, on the line here for Chicago. They could just absolutely pull off a heist with this number one pick. And they're the youngest team in the NFL. The difference between most number one picks in this Bears squad is that they have their franchise quarterback. And I love the talk behind it. I love the Bryce Young talk. It just makes that pick even higher. And obviously, Bears aren't trading Justin Fields. Anyway, um, yeah, this this pick is going to be a historic just trade waiting to happen. Um, you'll see the headline. It'll be all that's talked about when it happens. Anyway, I have an NFL awards prediction right here for you guys right now. NFL awards. Uh, we got our MVP, Offense Player of the Years, like rookie, rookie of the Years and all that. Um, Coach of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, everything. Pretty much, yeah. These are my awards for the NFL season. Let's get into it. MVP. 
Patrick Mahomes, pretty easy, 5,200 yards, 103 quarterback rating, only three losses through the regular season, um, a ton of touchdown passes. You know, this guy, I think it's almost unanimous at this point. He set the record, um, or at least, yeah, he set the record for most yards in the season, I believe, and, you know, it just doesn't get better for him, and especially with Tyreek Hill being gone, this being his first year, and still putting up the same numbers, obviously adds value to a team. Most valuable player, Patrick Mahomes. Offensive player of the year, Justin Jefferson. Set receiving numbers as well. When you talk about value to a team as well, um, I don't think Kirk Cousins' passing stats nearly um, gets the credit that Justin Jefferson brings to the table. So Justin Jefferson, you know, without him on that team, I think the, the Vikings were in multiple one-possession games um, through the entire season, and they had a great record at the end of the season. I don't see them – I see them being, you know, a top seven pick without Justin Jefferson on that team, top seven in the draft. Um, the value that he brings to this team uh, doesn't, you know, push him to the MVP level, but Offensive Player of the Year, you're damn right. Rookie of the Year, Offensive Player – actually, I got both of these guys on the New York Jets. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Garrett Wilson, put up great receiving numbers, 1,100 yards, a decent amount of touchdowns, and, you know, with the quarterback carousel that was going on in New York, he was still able to put up those numbers as a wide receiver number one should, and he did that all as a rookie. Garrett Wilson, uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner. When you saw his stats compared to star receivers in this league, um, the quarterback rating compared to, you know, when covered by others, Sauce Gardner, top of the list. Um, there's, you know, he's been burned a few times on the season, but overall, Sauce Gardner is already a top 10 corner. So, yeah, Coach of the Year, Brian Dable. And I don't even think this is up for debate. Brian Dable, you know, with the roster that he was handed, um, the New York Giants, from last season being the fifth pick in the draft till now being in the divisional round of the playoffs and having, you know, basically the same offensive pieces that he had uh, and not even a wide receiver I can name off the top of my head. Uh, you know, their defense, their defensive scheme put teams in a chokehold. They were just kind of an old-fashioned style football team that won, you know, games running and gunning, playing great defense, time of possession, et cetera, and, and that was all at the hands of Brian Dable. Uh, they finished the season on a positive note, which nobody expected. And they made the divisional round of the playoffs, which they haven't done in a long time. So Brian Dable, coach of the year. Comeback player of the year, I think this one's kind of obvious too. Geno Smith uh, put up great stats as the Seattle quarterback. He, you know, made this team, you know, projected to be a, a first or second pick in the NFL draft to a playoff team. So, you know, Geno, nobody expected this from him. Uh, he came out and made the Pro Bowl after being, you know, a backup his entire career. Great for him. Geno Smith, comeback player of the year. Saquon Barkley could also be up there too, but uh, Geno Smith, it's just incredible how, you know, the narrative on him. Backup quarterback kind of sucked his entire career, let's be honest. He didn't play well. And then this year he won the spot over Drew Locke and, you know, played just great football the entire year. Anyway, finale of the show, we're jumping to the hard court of the NBA. We're going to talk about the LeBron James no-call against the Boston Celtics the other night. Okay, obviously he got fouled. Okay, there's no arguing that. But when there's this, when there's this, you know, narrative talk that, you know, the refs are always against you, the Lakers don't get calls like other teams, uh, and, you know, they're crying about it this entire time, that as a 
point of authority as an official, that does not make me want to give calls. And when we talk about calls, it, it can't be give and take. It can't be like coupons. You know, I feel like this is where people talk about, you know, referee play. Like, oh, you gave him that call, so you got to give him this. I hate that. It is so dumb because this this is their job. This isn't like handout tickets. Like, it's not an even battle. This is, you know, some teams are more chippy than others and will get more fouls. So, obviously, you know, bad calls, rigged play. It's happened before. Okay, we see that. But in this day and age, it's almost like every single play, NBA officials are getting criticized. And, you know, I'm not going to be the old head and say, you know, you know, just play better or whatever. Officials can suck sometimes. But when there's, you know, when you're known as the crybabies of the league, that's not going to make a point of authority want to call that for you more. And it's obvious the star players get the calls rather than, you know, role players, since they're not expected to score as much. Um, but I also think it could be like, okay, you're appointed as the greatest of all time. And you should not be trying to win off foul calls. But at the same time, like, it's LeBron. You expect him to get to the rim. So, you know, the sight has to be on set on him. Okay. Does LeBron get the star stu, superstar treatment anymore? Like guys like um, Durant, Tatum, Curry, when, you know, it's guys like that get the calls all the time. We get that. Uh, I saw another point as well. J- Michael Jordan. Yeah. Obviously, he complained about calls all the time. There's no, there's no changing that. But when there's this, like, it's the diff, the difference is Michael Jordan's teams dominated teams on the court. There wasn't, you know, LeBron's team is third behind last in the West right now, and you know their whole narrative is, you know, crying about calls, and you know, the the talk behind it is that like they don't get as much calls as the other team. That's it, this is how play works. It shouldn't be even in calls. I would, you know. I would think it's more rigged, rigged per se, that if the uh, referees were like evening the calls throughout the game. That just doesn't make sense. There's more teams that play chippier defense. There's more teams that, you know, you know, will get less foul calls because they're more disciplined. Um, it's just that, like, that's how it should work in my opinion. But, you know, LeBron, obviously it was a foul. They missed it. But when you have him freaking out of the court and your teammate bringing a camera, which was hilarious. Patrick Beverly bringing a camera on the court was hilarious. But that, oh my gosh, if I am chilling with my official buddies and I see that, that is a joke. Like, that, that's pathetic at that point. And, you know, NBA officiating has been kind of egregious this season, I will say. But the players are doing, like, I don't know what the Players Association is thinking. Like, you know, this isn't going to help anything. Just literally bitching about calls like for the last five years that it's happened like I've seen an uproar and just bitching constantly about these calls um yeah and the NBA needs to do something about it I'm sure it's been brought to their attention referees maybe being fined maybe you know being at risk for their job if you know if they don't make you know correct calls in a span because they look at these calls after the game it's you know if they're not doing their job right I'm sure there's audits on you know referees playing you know doing their job horribly. So, I don't know. There's a lot to be said here. I think that, you know, how LeBron reacts is the opposite way of, you know, you know, getting something done if you want it done, like offici- officials changing the way that games are officiated. Um, you don't want to be known as that team. And, you know, it's just kind of embarrassing, especially when you're third in the West or third place close to last in the West. But anyway... I really don't have an opinion on it, but 
I just I just know if players want to get something done about officials, you know, doing their job better, that's not it. That's not it in the slightest. Just complaining and it's not being brought to their attention. It doesn't make their job easier. They have a tough job. They have to keep eyes on everything. And, you know, you know, they just play basketball. And at the same time, I just think, you know, there's a better there's better ways for players to, you know, change the habit of officiating. Maybe having one more official on the court, maybe having, you know, their jobs on the line, etc. I don't know. Anyway, that's going to conclude the episode. The comeback episode is here right before the Super Bowl. Um, I plan on making another mock draft video here soon. Um, yeah, and we'll see. I plan to do these on Tuesdays now. Tuesday podcast. Anyway, yeah, that's what it's going to be from now on. Every Tuesday, a podcast is coming out, and I will, yeah, I'll see you guys next time. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Peace out.